What is going on, everybody? Welcome in the podcast. That's the name of this show, Pete Forsey. That's the name of me. And we're talking week 14 of the NFL, among other things. Uh, whatever you guys want to hear, that's what it's all about. Had some nice reviews from this past show. Uh, appreciate everybody who takes the time out to do that. Uh, definitely got to talk about how the form this NFL season is, is taking. We got the Buccaneers who didn't play their best football, let the Bills right back into the game, which got some pretty uh, pretty convicted thoughts on Buffalo and what they're doing uh, with their football team. But we're kind of seeing things take shape here. Buccaneers, dangerous. Chiefs, dangerous. Even the Packers, who they're banged up on the offensive line, didn't play all that well. Like in Chicago in the first half, freaking took care of business in the second half. No sweat. Aaron Rodgers continues to be a, a real bad man. Four touchdowns. No picks in a easy peasy victory where he was left hurt. <laughs> you know he's banged up, and there, there's questions surrounding surrounding Green Bay, and it might be the the best team in the NFC. <laughs> you know as it currently stands, there's an argument to be made at this point in time. So we got a lot to talk about here in the NFL season. Really want to kick it back to the Steelers Thursday night game against Minnesota. Uh, probably know I want to talk about Chase Claypool and what went on there. Let's get to it. It is episode sixty five of the podcast. So I actually shortchanged myself. It's episode 66 of the podcast. So appreciate everybody tuning in and everybody that shares with their family and friends, uh, reviews, uh, grassroots here in the podcast, big believer in it. Uh, definitely want everyone to enjoy it and uh, keep hitting me up with questions, comments, uh, feedback on the podcast. We're going to keep it rolling. Chase Claypool, uh, yeah, I, I didn't feel like piling on on Twitter after seeing it on Thursday night. Also mentioned that I'm just tired and was wanting to go to bed after Thursday night football. Have an early wake-up call. Got to be on the treadmill first thing in the morning. But was it all that surprising? Like, the guy thinks practice needs to be looser. They need to have more fun dancing and the biggest L is for those that defend players like Claypool yeah that guy he'll, he'll probably learn from it and understand that maybe you shouldn't say those things but there's always going to be this element with him those players do not change look at Earl Thomas remember when the media wanted to defend him about getting traded giving him a contract sat out practice pretty much called the shots when he wanted to practice, how much he wanted to until Seattle Seattle uh, gave into his demands. And unfortunately for him, he, he got injured. Yeah, what, what did that guy turn out to be? A complete asshole. He went to the Ravens, had a year. The team hated him so much. The next year, they told John Harbaugh and the general manager, yeah, we want him out of here. Yeah, now he's not even on an NFL roster. He's still in his prime because he's a jerk. You got players like Antonio Brown, AB in 2017 filmed Facebook Live video in that same Pittsburgh locker room. Where did that get him? He got traded. Then he got cut before he got uh, played a game for that team in Oakland with the Raiders. Then we all know the lawsuits that happened after that. And AB, while he's back in the league, still brings something of a troubling element. He, I mean, vaccination card, whether you believe in the vaccine or not, guy's not available to play right now. Hasn't left him. Odell, anytime someone thinks that their style and they can go against the grain with how, I don't know, practice has been going on for years and years in the NFL, you're kind of wrong. You, you just are. There's a reason things are done a certain way. You're pretty much telling me you don't know how to sustain a winning season if you think that dancing and having music at practice 
is uh, you know a, a key element to getting the things back on track. You know, th this is just a huge L for the media, the progressive anti-establishment media that thinks that, you know, if, if things are fun, then they should be allowed. You can like something and find it entertaining. It doesn't mean that you can defend it as a practice that needs to be happening. You need discipline practice. You, it's, you, you know the teams that are winning right now? It's about pad level. It's about conditioning. The Buccaneers. Yeah, do you hear much noise out of Tampa Bay? Baltimore. Do you hear much noise out of Baltimore? I know they're you know kind of uh, treading water right now, but all things considered, heck of a program. Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the first guy that said it. What do they do? They, they always finish the year. They're never ending up in a dreadful season, like a two or three win season. New England, do they ever, do you ever hear about how fun practice is in New England? No, man. It's about the fundamentals. It's about technique. Huge L for the people that think, you know, the no fun league, that things need to be changing. Okay, this is a hardcore principle that practice is about fundamentals, technique, getting repetition and repetition to make sure that you're at your best on Sunday. Claypool. No surprise that he did his little celebration on first down with no regard for the clock. Because you know what? At practice, he's not thinking about those things. He's clearly not. And don't give me the young player bullshit. Larry Fitzgerald, we already saw it go out on the internet. Young Larry would never have done anything like this. The guy's mind would have been sharp and on the game. I remember Justin Tuck. This is on defense, of course. I remember him having to call a timeout for his defense back when he was on the Raiders because some idiot defensive lineman was celebrating a sack while the opposing offense was trying to drive down the field during a two-minute drill in the fourth quarter. It's those types of players that actually get it. And there's fewer and fewer of them in the NFL because nowadays it's just about the brand, it's about social media, it's about TikTok and this, and it's about the 30-year-old reporter who will actually pander towards you because they like that shit. And they understand that their consumers like that shit. And it gives off this perception that it's actually okay and it actually should be allowed in the NFL and that it actually doesn't matter. No, it does matter because Claypool told us exactly where he is and then exactly a week later, he costs his football team. Case in point, checkmate, Claypool is a fool. There's one thing that you cannot ever underestimate and the Buffalo Bills certainly have and it's about your division the NFL you obviously got to build a well-rounded football team because you're playing in all sorts of weather you're playing different points uh, during the calendar year it starts off hot gets colder where it's a little chilly and then if you really want to win football games in January and February you, you got to play in the cold so really you got to have a well-rounded football team and the Buffalo Bills after Getting outed from Kansas City last year, they just really had this syndrome of needing to be able to go, you know, throw for throw, point for point on the scoreboard with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And they built this team where, yeah, they're they're really good and really threatening, uh, threatening through the air. And Josh Allen, uh, all the arm talent in the world can make every throw on the football field, but also, as I've said a million times, can miss any throw on the football field as well. And they forgot the critical step that before you worry about your entire conference, you have to worry about the division. The England Patriots just gave them a dose of that last Monday where they handed the ball off three times and then the coach afterwards says, let's not give too much credit to Bill Belichick. Biggest, you know, sour grapes, 
you know, sore loser words I've ever heard out of McDermott's mouth, who I like a lot. Okay, I think the guy's a winner, high-level guy. Really bad look on him on Tuesday morning when I saw that. Then, the very next week, yesterday, when they're playing against Tampa Bay and the Bucks, again, another big game for them. They got a critical stretch uh, here in December in the final weeks of the season. They don't hand the ball off once in the first half. Like, what are you trying to... Is this like some move because of New England and how they didn't throw the ball and now you want to prove that you can do it your way? Like, I I almost think it's, it's not a coincidence. They didn't hand the ball off once in the first half. First time in 30 years. That is right after New England does the inverse to you. I'm kind of, you know, McDermott, love the guy, still think he's a high-level coach. Weird things going on in Buffalo, okay? And they're going to be a playoff team in the AFC. They're, I mean, they're, they're just not going to fall uh, below the seventh seed. Um, I, I don't think they will. They're, they're too talented, and they'll win some games. But, you know, like, what are they doing? You, you have no toughness to your team. You forgot the critical step. You got so consumed with beating Kansas City after last year, you forgot about New England. And now Tua Tagovailoa and the Dolphins, I mean, they're winning some games. I don't think, I mean, they're not going to be a threat to the playoffs, but I mean, they're not going to be a pushover down the stretch. You, you forgot about one of the core elements is that you have to win your division. And you thought just, oh, rookie quarterback, Tua struggling, Jets drafting a rookie quarterback. You, you thought this, you had this in the bag? My goodness. I, like, it, it's really hard to believe that Sean McDermott, is, I'm not going to say lost, but he, he's just kind of gotten away from his roots. Because since 2017, when he took over that team with Tyrod Taylor, the guy was all about toughness, offensive, defensive lines, fundamentals, technique, playing well in Buffalo in the cold weather. And right now, you're just relying on, on Josh Allen like he has the makeup and the experience like a Tom Brady or even like a, like a Matt Ryan, <laughs> you know? He, the guy's been playing for two years. You're handing the keys to the Ferrari like he's been in the league for a decade. Legitimately, he's had like two year two years of football that have been good. And right now, they're asking him to do too much. As soon as they started handing the ball off to Singletary in the second half, what happened? They got back in the game. Got back in the game. And they lost in overtime because they had to get to overtime because they didn't play four quarters of football. They started in the second half. And just think about maybe, maybe he could have beat Tampa Bay. Maybe you beat Tampa Bay if you actually came in with a game plan at the beginning of the football game on Sunday. They didn't. Buffalo, they're going to be all right. I think they make the playoffs, but they really squandered away a really good chance to make it to the Super Bowl by throwing away their you know division title hopes, their, uh, their AFC East division title hopes, because that's going to go to New England. Now it's going to be an uphill battle for the Bills. So watching that San Francisco-Cincinnati game could not help but just think about how how quickly everyone in the media is to write folks off. Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, new toy coming in. He should be playing. Like people were saying this in August. People were saying this. Anytime there's success on the San San Francisco team with the Niners, all I think about is how Trey Lance wouldn't be able to do this. And I don't even hate the guy. Okay. I, I liked the prospect coming out. He's just nowhere near ready to start NFL games. And when he did against an Arizona team that's proven to be pretty doggone good. I mean, he he was awful. They couldn't score, couldn't move the ball. On the other side of the field, you have Cincinnati. Zach Taylor was like pronounced a good head coach all of a sudden because he won some games. 
It's like, yeah, like now his team, again, it's like one step forward, one step back. Let, let's pump the brakes on all this and give some credit to Kyle Shanahan, which I said a couple weeks ago. Maybe he's on his way out or forces his way out of San Francisco. That has nothing to do with him being a, a, a bad head coach. San Francisco would be nuts to let him go. And, and, you, and he's showing why. Like, he goes into Cincinnati, which they're a viable team, a threat in the AFC, as I've been saying, and might even be you know best team in the North here. I know they're first place as now with Baltimore kind of, uh, you know, stagnated. But Kyle Shanahan goes in there, has a healthy Garoppolo all of a sudden, Ayuk, Debo Samuel, like you're seeing the vision that he put together. And if there's one thing that I've seen from him, they didn't make the playoffs last year, but they fought until the end. They have all these injuries it's seemingly every year, but they fight until the end. And Shanahan is a great head coach. And he's got a sound scheme that really works against all different levels of football. It's run first, it's commitment to the run, and it's showing your offensive plays off of those runs. So it makes it look like it is a run and then you, Boom, throw the ball over the top of the defense for easy yards. And you move the ball down efficiently and effectively in the 49ers Shanahan offense. This guy's doing a great job. Great job. And I think the Niners, not only are they going to make the playoffs, I think they're going to be a threat and they could upset. If they're like a, you know, a seven seed and get to play that two seed or a six first three, I could see him winning a game, upseeding maybe one of those uh, division winners for sure. Because they're playing their best football right now. They're getting healthy and they're going on the road and playing in cold weather stadiums. Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. Really like where the Niners are at. And it's no surprise at all because they got a top tier head coach in Kyle Shanahan. So overall, Tampa Bay Buccaneers rounding into form. Green Bay Packers depleted and hurt, rounding into form because they just took care of Chicago after Chicago gave them everything that they had in the first half. Packers with a hobbled uh, Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Tampa Bay, they they took care of business in overtime against the Bills. Um, obviously, didn't have the best second half, but they are playing efficient football right now. They're doing a great job. And all the teams that you think would be there at the end, that's what's happening. Namely, Kansas City Chiefs. Been playing great football. The defense, been doing a great job. Really got to you know tip their hats to them. It, it was in a dire spot. Like in October, people thought it was an overreaction. It wasn't an overreaction. They needed to get it ironed out and quickly, and they did. Credit to them. That's what good teams do. That's what well-coached teams do. Andy Reid, Hall of Fame coach, no surprise that his team did it. But they were in a critical spot. And namely, I think what's happening here is that they have committed to spreading the ball to a lot of players on offense. At first, I think maybe they were a little too gung-ho and targeting Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. They were getting impatient. They realized, you know what? There, there's nothing wrong with trying to get the ball to Josh Gordon. He had his first TD yesterday. There's nothing wrong with, you know, handing off to uh, Clyde's Edward Hilaire or getting the ball to to Damian Williams or Daryl Williams, you know, the Williams brother in the backfield. They're okay with that. And then, you know what? We're okay kind of playing in close games. We, we don't have to have that two touchdown, that 17-point lead that we've grown accustomed to in the past couple of years. They said, you know what? It, it's okay. We can play a close game. We don't have to light up the scoreboard, and we're okay relying on plays from the defensive side of the ball because we do have Frank Clark. We got Chris Jones, and we got this Melvin Ingram guy who we just traded for making plays. I'm not ready to call it a defensive team, but they're a little more relying on the defense and saying, hey, you know what? We, we need to play on this side of the ball. We really do. And the Chiefs, good for them in being uh, flexible and changing their identity. 
they're still going to have their games where they put 35 up on the board yesterday, put a pounding on the Raiders. A lot of that was due to the fact that the Raiders probably uh, were disrespectful in, in cleating the uh, arrowhead at midfield, which transitioning to the Raiders, what, what, what a joke. What a joke of a franchise. They have one winning season. That was 2016 with Jack Del Rio. And it kind of flipped the idea that this isn't like, you know, a, a, a losing franchise when reality, the Raiders for most of my life, joke. They, they do nothing but lose. They do nothing but have a top five pick every year. They take home one to three wins after each season. They spend money on Warren Sapp, Randy Moss, spend a draft pick on Jamarcus Russell. Like the clown show, man. Clown show. And you have an ambassador in Derek Carr who loves being a Raider will stand at the podium each and every day, speak for the franchise and their miscues while Mark Davis, you know, doesn't speak to the media, just hides from them, doesn't, you know, face the music whenever he has to. And they're probably going to lose them after the 2022 year unless they get a new head coach and get a new general manager that can come in and change his mind, which maybe they do. Who knows? But right now, I don't know who their head coach will be. It's kind of a disaster in the sense that, you know, they, they, they picked some good players and they picked a good offensive head coach, but you had these unforeseen, just like totally out there circumstances pop up where it's just like, my gosh, only the Raiders does this happen to. Only does the Raiders head coach have misogynistic, racist emails surface. Um, unfortunately, you're, you know, your you're wide receiver and your cornerback in the 2020 draft last year uh, make really poor decisions off the field. And then you have to cut them. And it's just like, my goodness, where else does this happen? Nowhere but, you know, the Raiders headquarters. Whether it's in Las Vegas, whether it's in Oakland, it, they, they they don't resemble anything of a winning franchise. And they seem to have this really proud tradition, historic tradition, which, you know, looking back on Al Davis, I'm always, you know, enamored by him. I think he's a cool guy. I think he was for the league and for high-level football and likes, you know, kind of the way he carried himself. But they resemble nothing of those Raiders from like the 70s that I watch on NFL documentaries and NFL Network. You know what I think of when I think of the Raiders? Losing. And so far, you know, nothing's changing that and they're just going to have more losing heading into 2022. So not going to talk too much about it, but definitely got to hit on it since a new report surfaced about what's going on in the Jacksonville locker room. Urban Meyer, this is an angle, or a story rather, that I think the angle everyone can conclude, everybody's in the same corner on. I I don't really know any takes out there from anyone prominent in the media or, you know, just anywhere where it's like people believed Urban Meyer would would succeed. I don't remember seeing it. It was resoundingly a a big, you know, thumbs down. that Urban Meyer would come into Jacksonville, turn around the franchise with new Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, and his game from college would uh, would immediately play. Like, the biggest questions are really turning into the biggest errors uh, in his tenure with Jacksonville. He, he pretty much walked into that building and thought he could just run it like a college program. Like, dude, you, you don't recruit guys in the NFL. You, you rely on scheme, you rely on adjustments, all things that you've almost admittedly said you, you don't have any hand in. Like, I remember what's-his-face wasn't on the field, uh, Robinson, James Robinson, 
uh, a couple weeks ago. And reporters in Duval, they, they asked him, hey, why wasn't Robinson in the game? He said, you'll, you'll have to ask the, uh, the coordinator or the uh, running back coach. I don't micromanage. Like, what, dude? You're the head coach. You decide who is on the football field. And if that doesn't encapsulate what is going wrong, uh, what is going wrong in Jacksonville, I don't know what else does. And again, if you need to ensure that Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, junior at Clemson, is going to come out in the NFL draft and you're Shad Khan, okay, hire Urban Meyer. But pretty much I'm saying to myself, if I'm Shad Khan, and you can tell Urban, you can lie to him and say, yep, yeah, I want to build around you for years to come, always have my eye on you. This has always been a one-year experiment in my mind, if I was the owner. Because this guy has nothing from his college game that would immediately translate or even long-term translate to winning in the NFL. Like there's this report that came out that he's condescending and talking down to his uh, offensive staff and his offensive staff has like um, Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottheimer guys who have done a lot at the NFL level. Maybe haven't done great at head coaching. Neither of them had head coaching gigs. I don't think, but these guys have like, you know, done a lot of good things on NFL teams during their tenures. And you're going to talk down to them because you were a winner at Ohio State and Utah and Florida. Like, bro, this is big boy ball. Okay. You're not going into living rooms and talking to 17 year olds. You're talking to 32 year olds who make millions of dollars and you don't have to have this horn at practice telling guys to hydrate. Like you've been taking steps from the beginning that are just foolish and you're all stressed out. You know, you're, you're, I'm not going to say you're a bad sport, but you looked like a moron shaking hands with Mike Vrabel after the game. And you know, you, you're, you're just done. Okay. You're cooked. And it was from the beginning. It was from the beginning that this wouldn't play. And I almost feel sorry for him in a way that he just thought he could walk in and he had a fair shot at this. It's like, no urban, if you want to stick around, you're, you're going to have to change the way you've done things. And he, he just thought that legitimately Shad Khan wanted him to turn around football in Jacksonville when really he just needed him to get Trevor Lawrence. And he just, you know, he got played. He, he almost got played in the sense that he thought, I can come in and run this like my college teams. And he's going to be done after this year. And we'll see who quarterbacks or uh, who coaches uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars next year. That will do it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, share, review. Uh, We are coming at you every Monday here on the podcast, uh, going to be reviewing the NFL, hopefully talking baseball soon once they are uh, back, once they're done at the bargaining table, which sounds like they're not doing right now. But uh, we'll be talking baseball. Anything and everything that you want touched on, We'll put it right here on the show. Hit up the text line, call line, 816-226-7483. Again, that's 816-226-7483. We put it right here on the show. Thanks so much. We will see you all next week.